Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 30, The Valley of Lemuel. So before I get started this week and get carried away on this week's topic, I wanted to take a moment and tell you thank you. Thank you to those who have taken time to rate or review this podcast. When you do, I do see that it makes a difference in the search engines of iTunes, and it brings Sister Scriptorians up so that it's more visible to those who are looking to learn about the Book of Mormon. And I appreciate you. It's like my payment. I I don't get paid for doing this. And so it is like a payment that you're giving me and it helps me feel like, well, maybe this is worthwhile doing. So I have a throwback memory for you. Back in ninth grade, my seminary teacher was Brother Ploker. And kudos to Brother Ploker because I did not go to school here in Utah. I lived in California. So it was early morning seminary and a seminary teacher was a calling. It wasn't a professional man who just that's how he spent his day was teaching seminary. No, Brother Ploker would wake up early and he would come and teach us and then he would have to go off to work and and he didn't get paid. In fact, he lost money probably because of all the donuts that he bought for us. I think it was every Friday he would bring in donuts, which was really cool of him. But he challenged us to find the shortest verse in the Book of Mormon. Do you know what that is? And my father dwelt in a tent, found in 1 Nephi chapter 2, verse 15. So there you go. If you don't remember anything else from what you have learned here on Sister Scriptorians, you now know a little bit of trivia that has stayed with me for uh, 28 years. Oh my gosh, is that math right? It can't be, but unfortunately, I think it is. Yeah. All right, let's move on from that. So I thought before we leave the Valley of Lemuel, before we allow Lehi and Ishmael and their families to to leave this valley that they have been camped at, I thought it would be helpful for us to review and reflect on everything that these family members have encountered while dwelling in their tents. I wonder how long they were there for. I think in years past when I've read the Book of Mormon, It's as if, in my mind, everything was happening bada-bing, bada-boom, like one right after another. However, now I wouldn't be surprised if someone was to come and say that the family of Lehi and Ishmael were probably in the valley for maybe a couple of years. And as I think upon their residence here, the phrase peaks and valleys comes to my mind. Ups and downs, peace and hostility, spiritual nourishment, and crisis of faith. And the Valley of Lemuel was true to its name. In many ways, it served as a metaphoric valley, a depression longer than it is wide. Are you experiencing a valley? In this particular valley, comforts were traded for hardship. I mean, put yourself in the valley among them. This band of refugees, while tenting in the Valley of Lemuel, boy, did they become familiar with their fears and their doubts and their discouragements. Fears of the unknown, fears of what they left behind, and fears for what might be ahead of them. It was within this valley that doubt about a prophet arose. It is here where their lack of knowledge about God and the way he deals with things became stumbling blocks for some of them. In fact, maybe even roadblocks for their spiritual progression. 
Discouragement led to rebellion. Longings for the things of the world that they left behind were lamented over. And the murmurings of some probably echoed off of the surrounding mountains and their mockery of their father, the prophet, for they believed him to be a visionary man who chased after the foolish imaginations of his heart. And these were flown about to convince others to abandon the journey, to quit, and to return back to their comforts. Upon reaching the valley, the sons of Lehi were commanded to return not once but twice to Jerusalem. And traveling this distance is a four-week round-trip journey. They were challenged with a task that went beyond their natural abilities, and their fear arose, and doubt within themselves was masked by their resistance that they gave. For they were commanded to go back to Jerusalem and obtain the Jewish record written on brass plates from a mighty man named Laban who commanded at least 50 men. How was that going to happen? In the valley of Lemuel, a mother grieved for her sons and feared that they would not return. She supposed that they had perished in the wilderness, and it was required of her to put her faith to work and to decide for herself whether or not she accepted her husband as a prophet and whether or not the Lord was actually leading her family to a land of promise. It was her personal trial. It was her personal trial to fight with faith the belief that perhaps they had been led away from the land of their inheritance only to perish in the wilderness. While in this valley, parents' hearts grieved for the rebellion of their children, for the possibility that their children would refuse to follow the Lord and obtain eternal life, the greatest of all gifts and most joyous to the soul. This valley heard often the pleadings of a tender parent who pled with his sons to hearken to his words that perhaps the Lord would be merciful to them and not cast them off. And within this valley, questions brewed, sometimes to a contentious pitch, where without the acquired skills and required faith necessary to commune with God and ask him what they most desired to know, They were left to become restless, lacking the resolve to see where God was taking them. And finally, this valley, which did provide them a firm and a steadfast ground to sort all of these inner turmoils out. This valley felt the breaking heart of a faithful brother who tried to persuade his brethren to come to know the mysteries of God. And he grieved because in the Lord's wisdom, The Lord allowed him to see into the future, a future where his seed would one day be destroyed by his brethren's seed, who then they too would dwindle in unbelief and be scattered upon the land of promise. Gratefully, the valley permitted Nephi to sort this all out, to seek understanding, and to gather strength. But by definition, in order to be a valley, it must have peaks on each side. And there were peaks. This valley of Lemuel served as a refuge and a liberation from the dangers that were both physical and spiritual from Jerusalem. It gave them a place to pause, to gather Ishmael and his family, to learn and to prepare spiritually from the brass plates, to practice tent living for those who were unaccustomed to it, and to prove themselves in their ability to keep the commandments. So it was in this valley 
where Nephi built his relationship with the Lord. His great desires brought him to come to know and to then become a witness of the coming Messiah. It is where Nephi committed to his faith, proclaiming that the Lord would provide a way, and then he partnered up with the Lord to see it through. Here in the valley, Sam received his assurance that the words his father spoke were true. He was able to discern truth and then valiantly followed the prophet, no matter what. In the valley of Lemuel, a prophet of God poured over the brass plates, gaining strength from learning of his lineage, gaining perspective of what his family's role in God's plan for the house of Israel was. And as he did so, as he read the word of God, additional revelation came and he was filled with the spirit of prophecy, enabling him to guide, protect, encourage, sometimes rebuke, and edify his family. Sariah, the mother of this dear family, though once racked with grief and doubt, came to know for a surety that the Lord commanded her husband to flee Jerusalem and that the Lord was protecting her family. In the valley of Lemuel, Sariah became converted. In the valley of Lemuel, forgiveness was extended and practiced. In the valley of Lemuel, burnt offerings were performed to express gratitude for the Lord's blessings. Sometimes the greatest treasures of knowledge and testimony are built when we are in a valley. Within the valley, a dream and a vision were had that illustrated the mortal life that all of God's children are engaged in. It showed the effects of temptation the strange paths that are there for us to wander if we're not diligent, and the enticements of the world that may distract us. But the prophet clearly counseled how we would be okay if we just heeded not the mockings of the world and held on with confidence to the word of God. By doing so, we would gain eternal life, always resting in the love of God. The families of Lehi and Ishmael learned about the Lord's big picture plan and their part in it, that they would be branches cut off from the house of Israel, scattered, and then they would be gathered again. They were assured that he would not forget them, nor would he forget the promises that he made to them, that he would restore his truth unto them, that the Messiah will visit them, and that they will not be lost to him. The final commandment that they would complete in the Valley of Lemuel would be to enter into marriage. I'm not sure how soon it was. I mean, in the scriptures, it's the next verse. But who knows how soon after the marriages took place that the Lord determined it was now time to move this band of followers along. It's as if they completed their learning and were permitted to progress. What are you learning in your valley right now? Nephi's closing words about their stay here in the Valley of Lemuel was, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, took one of the daughters of Ishmael to wife, and also my brethren took the daughters of Ishmael to wife, and also Zoram took the eldest daughter of Ishmael to wife. And thus my father had fulfilled all the commandments of the Lord which had been given unto him. And also I, Nephi, had been blessed of the Lord exceedingly. Peaks and Valleys Nephi could have said, good grief, we got out of there. But instead, he focused on the blessings he had received 
while he resided in the Valley of Lemuel. Each step of the way, challenges were presented, and each family member had to grow and discover within themselves how to rise to the occasion they were presented with. Each family member developed skills and enhanced their ability of survival. They were survivors. But something more was developed by those who chose to partner up with the Lord. They developed character spiritual depth, and a deepening relationship with the Lord that transformed them. Lehi, Sariah, Nephi, and Sam were not the same individuals who had first entered the valley. How is your valley changing you? I am so grateful that the Book of Mormon begins with a family, all at various points of testimony and temperament. And as I read the Book of Mormon, I can see glimpses of me and I can relate and I can learn from each one of their experiences. Whatever our valley looks like that we are traveling through right now, with its peaks and also with its depressions, the one thing I know from reading the Book of Mormon is that I know who I want to be like. I know who I want to pattern my responses after and whose footsteps I desire most to step in. Each family member experienced the same set of circumstances, but their thoughts, feelings, and actions led them to different results, peaks and valleys. And though I know that valleys will come, that they are supposed to come, that they're necessary for me so that I can develop, we can't always experience peaks. The Book of Mormon has tutored me in simple ways to rise above life's valleys, or at least to be able to prosper in life's valleys, but to also help me get up to those peaks and meet the Lord. So, so far, the Book of Mormon has taught me the value of desiring to know the mysteries of God. How learning about the God I love, of knowing His true characteristics, it's changed my perspective so that I can see him on display throughout the gospel, whether it be in the scriptures or during talks during general conference. And by doing so and practicing this and practicing and remembering who he is, then I am better able to open up my heart so that I can see him in my daily life, even when I'm in a valley. And how do I see him? It's because I'm learning who he is. I'm learning his love language, that he is merciful, treating me better than I deserve, and gracious, imparting upon me his enabling power that helps me accomplish things beyond my natural abilities, that he is slow to anger. He gives me space to work things out, to figure it out, and then to try again. And he is abundant in goodness because he is the ultimate gift giver. Everything good comes from him. 30 years after Nephi had left Jerusalem, he was commanded to make a new set of scriptures that would focus on the ministry of his people. This commandment also came 30 years or so after he received a vision, how his people would be destroyed, but how the Gentiles would eventually bring the gospel to the remainder of Lehi's seed. Nephi must have sat there, contemplating what could he possibly say, what could he possibly write within this set of scripture 
that would make all the difference. What would the Gentiles, the hope of Israel, read within the pages he recorded that would touch their hearts so deeply that they would extend themselves, that they wouldn't be able to hold themselves back from the remnant of Lehi's seed and from the process of bringing them back to God? It is my belief that Nephi determined that what we needed to know and have shown to us over and over again was that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance. He knew that we must learn to recognize the Lord because we are nothing without him. And we must learn to recognize him even during our afflictions that we need to practice Recognizing personal blessings, strength, protection, guidance, assurance, loving kindnesses, consolation, support, and spiritual gifts that he gives to us daily. Memorize these tender mercies so that you can learn his love language and learn how he communicates to you. And how do we know so? Because who would Nephi have been without the Lord's tender mercies? What would the plight of this group have been without the Lord strengthening him in the midst of his afflictions? Nephi, because of the choices he made during these afflictions, he became a bold testifier of Jesus Christ. So while in your valley, look for the tender mercies of the Lord. And if you can't see them today because it's too hard, reflect back on yesterday to see how the hand of the Lord blessed your life. Acknowledge the Lord every time he shows up in your life. Testify and behold, the Lord did visit me. Look for the blessings of God being fulfilled in your life. And don't allow your thoughts to go unchecked. Your brain is magnificent, but like every aspect of our body and spirit, it can function on a lower level or a higher level. And your brain is there to protect you, but it must be managed Left unchecked, the brain can become overzealous at seeing danger, fear, potential threats. And one of its defense mechanisms is to remember over and over again what these risks to your well-being are. Hurt and pain and living below our potential result when we don't teach our brain to look for evidence of God blessing us. To see how he is fulfilling his promise to prosper us to lead us, and to help us become a ruler over our brethren. And also remember, remember your wherefore can ye doubt moments in which ye knew that it was God that was sustaining you. Treasure these moments and rely on them as much as you need to in order to climb up out of that depression and on to the next peak. Soften your heart. When you become discouraged and you think, he isn't paying attention to me, help the Lord help you by making yourself movable, by softening your heart that you have 100% control over. Remember Elder Ashton's counsel to develop an honest heart, a willing heart, an understanding heart, and a heart that diligently remembers the Lord. Get specific with the Lord. Behold, what desirest thou? What tender mercy do you require? Is it strength like Nephi to burst the bands of opposition that surround you? 
Lead with your faith and ask. Get specific in your requests and then leave it up to the Lord as to how He sees fit to step in. Remember who He is during this process, that He is not a respecter of persons and that His love for you is unwavering. I know, I, I know it takes reminders during our personal valleys. And I admire Nephi for his consistency in remaining clear on who God is and the power that he has and is willing to give unto us. Hold firm to the word of God. In valleys and upon peaks, hold firm. Do what it takes to learn the language of the Lord within the scriptures that he has provided us. We are such a blessed people to not only have the word of God in scriptures, but to have latter-day prophets who also communicate his word to us. Allow the word of God to spiritually ground you upon the straight and narrow path and allow him to show you over and over again your true identity as a child of God. As you begin to comprehend the efforts that were undertaken to preserve this record, his letters and instructions of encouragement to you, recognize the magnitude that having a prophet within our midst has been in your life. Just as Lehi blessed his group of people as they traveled to the land of promise, he was giving them spiritual and temporal direction. And so does our current prophet today. Seek after him and learn of his counsel, his warnings, and his promises for days to come. Treasure up his words of encouragement, but also make a point to change what is necessary in your life in order for you to be able to come close to Jesus Christ. Because it is he and it is only he that will be able to make the valley that you are currently in, he will be able to make it beautiful, fruitful, and profitable for you. You can prosper through your reliance on Jesus Christ. I'm sure that there have been many more things that we've either talked about here on Sister Scriptorians or that are in the scriptures, but can you believe it? We have just covered 15 chapters and look at the fruit that we have in order to be able to know how to respond to life and how to be able to to have a relationship with God. But perhaps the most reoccurring theme that we've had so far, besides the underlining thread of tender mercies that is weaved throughout First Nephi, is the counsel to inquire of the Lord. Desire, believe, and ponder we are directed to do in order to be able to receive personal revelation. If you will not harden your hearts and ask Father in faith, believing that ye shall receive with diligence in keeping his commandments, surely the things which you ask of him will be made known unto you. Sister Scriptorians, keep on keeping on. Don't give up. I wouldn't be able to testify of these things if I for myself didn't know how truly we need to just hold on. Valleys are necessary. Hold on to your faith. Let go and let God direct you. His promises are sure. Sister Scriptorians, I challenge you this week to listen to this episode over and over again and to learn what you need to do in order to be able to be fruitful and prosper in your valley. 
You got this. It's the perfect learning lesson for you. And it's the perfect opportunity for you to partner up with the Lord and learn what He most desires for you to learn. Have a good day.